TII item 318, August 28, 2014. iPhone 5 battery replacements. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am. This episode of Today in iOS is brought to you by lynda.com. Learn the top software, creative, and business skills from easy-to-follow video tutorials at lynda.com. To start your free seven-day trial, visit lynda.com slash TII. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Adam for sending in the music here in the background. Adam wrote, Hi, Rob. I made this song with GarageBand and Beatmaker 2 on my iPad. Find more of my music at soundcloud.com slash A-West-Beats, A-W-E-S-T-B-E-A-T-S. Regards, Adam West. Well, thanks, Adam, for sending in the music. And folks, I will put the full song at the end of the episode. I also want to thank Bob for sending in the artwork for today's show. Bob wrote, Hi, Rob. I took a photo of the harbor in Hamilton, Ontario, using an app called Photo Editor by Avery to add the Today in iOS on the picture. Regards, Bob. Well, Bob, thanks for sending in this artwork. And folks, you can see Bob's artwork in the TI app in the extras for episode 318, or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork and also as a standalone post in the VIP section at facebook.com slash todayinios. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote, quote, Given what I've seen of Honeycomb and Motorola's excellent tablet, Cupertino will have some serious catching up to do with their iPad 2. J.P. Mangalundin, Fortune, 4th of February, 2011. To say that the iPad 2 beat the Motorola's tablet and Honeycomb is like saying that Rome beat Carthage in the Third Punic War. Yes, it is true, but it way understates the level of defeat and destruction by just saying they beat them. Just saying. For promo codes on episode 317, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the iBook, Word for iPad, the Deep Dive Guide, and promo codes for the apps Folds and Merlot. I will be giving those promo codes out later this week. You can find more info about those items at the beginning of episode 317. This week, we have promo codes for the app Chicken Scramble. Here is the review from the dev. Hey Rob, this is Richard from Rocket Bottle Games and we would like to introduce Chicken Scramble. It's a simple sliding puzzle game and all you have to do is move chickens around by swiping the screen. If two matching chickens bump into each other, then guess what? You get a bigger chicken. If this sounds familiar, then you've probably played 2048. However, unlike 2048 and its countless clones, Chicken Scramble has 80 stages of varying shapes and sizes filled with all sorts of challenges that will keep you coming back for more. Chicken Scramble is free to play and is set to release on September 3rd, 2014 on both iOS and Android. If you would like to get a preview of our game as well as see concept art and other goodies, check us out at facebook.com slash chicken scramble or follow us on Twitter at chicken scramble. Thanks Richard for the promo codes and for reviewing your app, Chicken Scramble. And the promo codes you sent in is near as I can tell since the game is going to be free. These promo codes are actually to get the app early. 
So this will be first come, first serve. First five people that email me at todayinios at gmail.com and put chicken in the subject line, I will send out those promo codes so you can take a look at Chicken Scramble before it's released to the public. For everyone else, just look for Chicken Scramble in the iTunes App Store after September 3rd. A quick reminder, if you are an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook. And make sure you indicate that you are the dev or the author up front. And when you send in your promo codes, please, please, please make sure to let me know when they expire. It was brought to my attention on the last episode, I forgot, in the show notes to put links to the podcast I mentioned that I listened to. And I will go ahead and do that this time. So I will put links in there for Dave's Lounge, Mac OS Ken, Revolutions, and Hardcore History. Thanks to all that sent in links to this next one, or first one. And a lot of you sent in links on this one. And this is about Apple doing a replacement program for some iPhone 5s that are experiencing battery issues. Well, replacement of the batteries, that is. Apple's reporting a very small percentage of units quote, may suddenly experience shorter battery life or need to be charged more frequently, unquote. Now, if you're experiencing shorter battery life, doesn't that mean you need to be charged more frequently? So it's not really or. Wouldn't that be suddenly experiencing shorter battery life and needing to be charged more frequently? Yeah, get your grammar correct there, Apple. That said, the battery replacements are available at Apple retail stores, authorized Apple service providers, and via AppleCare. The battery replacement program is running from now until March 1st, 2015. Okay, time for me to sound like a fanboy. But it is not if you have issues with your product that is the true measuring stick for the best service, but rather how you respond when you do have an issue. For this issue, Apple has set up a webpage Link in the show notes titled iPhone 5 Battery Replacement Program Apple Support. And on this webpage, you can enter in your serial number to see if your unit is one of the ones that is having the issue and can get the battery replaced. Let me say this. If you have an iPhone 5 that was purchased between September 2012 and January 2013, which is when most of them were actually sold, you will want to check to see if your serial number is covered. Again, it's not all, but when you have a small percentage of a large number, it tends to be a large number itself. And of course, if your serial number wins the lottery, you will want to get that battery replaced. Even if you're not seeing any issues yet with YET in capitals, also make sure to read the details on that page, such as their recommendations to make sure you back up all your data before giving it to Apple to replace the battery. This way, if they hose your unit and have to replace it with a new one, uh, they don't feel so bad. Not that they'd feel bad either way. Again, Apple is saying this affects a small percentage of the iPhone 5s sold during that September 2012 to January 2013 window, but again, a small percentage of a very large number can still be a large number. Link in the show notes for this one. And if your iPhone is one that was affected, is affected, please let us know how the process went. Also, let us know if you were having battery issues before this announcement or not. And looking in the Google Plus community, which you can get to easily by just going to todayinios.com community, 
I see a few people reporting their iPhone 5 was eligible and was experiencing issues. Myron Uecker is reporting that he was running iOS 8 Beta 5 and the Apple Store would not touch his device. So it looks like if you are running the beta of iOS 8, you either need to revert back to iOS 7.x or simply wait until September 17th to get the gold master of iOS 8, then turn your device in. There were at least five different people eligible for the battery replacement in that thread, and it seems like they were having issues. Again, if you are eligible and go through the process, give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and let us know about your experience. I had to do a double take on this next rumor, which I saw pop up in a lot of places this week, and that is that Apple will release a larger 12.9-inch iPad the beginning of next year. Why the double take? Well, that is because the exact same rumor came out about this time last year. Not that it was going to come out in 2015, but that it was going to come out the beginning of the following year, which would have been 2014. Well, it was actually, let's see, episode 278 back in early August 2013 when that was brought up. At the time, Steve in Houston asked about the rumor, to which I said... Quote, I don't believe the 12.9 inch size iPad is anything we will see anytime soon. Given the so far complete lack of any interest at all of Windows 8 tablets that are larger than 10 inch, I just don't see why Apple would release a larger device. I don't think there is enough mass demand for it yet. That said, I would love the larger 12.9 inch tablet as well. Unquote. Then in episode 289, Another Steve asked about getting the iPad Air or waiting until March to get the iPad Pro at 12.9 inches, to which I replied, quote, Given there are no pictures of said mythical device, I think you are best getting device you need when you need it, and that is available. So if you need the iPad today, get the best one available today, and don't think or fret about what may or may not be in the pipeline, unquote. And then in episode 290, I talked about rumors from Tech Radar saying that the iPad Pro 12.9-inch version would launch in April 2014. Point is, this past week's rumor of a 12.9-inch iPad launching the beginning of next year is an old rumor that had zero basis last year, was really just guesswork and speculation and link bait, and is being rehashed now a year later because, well, that is what you do with rumors that didn't come to pass. You just wait and then do another post about the same rumor. And then you rinse and repeat and rinse and repeat until you get lucky and get it right. To answer the question, do I think there is a 12.9-inch iPad coming? Well, yes, eventually. Do I think it is coming this year? Nope. Do I think it is coming early next year? Nope. So far, there are no screenshots or other hardware image leaks that you would expect to see for a product set to launch sometime in the next six months. Until we start seeing hardware leaks that support a 12.9-inch iPad size, I will remain skeptical of seeing a 12.9-inch iPad anytime soon or recommending anyone wait to buy an iPad for said mythical creature. I'm not saying there will not be a 12.9-inch iPad ever. I think eventually there will be one. Just that the 12.9-inch iPad at this time looks to be at least at least six months out, if not much further out. Likely, best-case scenario is next fall. Again, that's best-case scenario. 
Thanks again to Linda for sponsoring this episode. If you go to lynda.com slash TII, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII, you'll get a free seven-day trial to their service. They offer over 2,000 high-quality video courses taught by industry experts. These courses cover subjects including business skills, covering career development, presentation, and communication skills. There are software video courses covering MS Office, Adobe Creative Suite, and FileMaker. And of course, there are iOS app development courses. There are over 25 iOS courses available at lynda.com, with 12 of those flagged for beginners. If you want to learn how to program or just beef up your current knowledge in one area of programming, Lynda has a tutorials for you. And you don't need to be a programmer to get benefit from Lynda. If you have an iPad, they have some great video tutorials such as Office for iPad Essential Training. There is iPad Classroom Fundamentals and iPad Classroom Apps for Educators, two tutorials you may find useful this time of year. And here is one for all iPad owners, Drawing on the iPad with Sketchbook Pro. And that is a small sampling of iPad-specific video tutorials. Oh, well, and there is also iBooks Author Essential Training, which, if you've ever used iBook Authors, is definitely one you want to check out. That is actually one I'm starting on now, as I need to update my iBook for podcasting to add some different versions and different ways to edit. And I want to see what neat features and tricks that I didn't know about are available. And one last one to mention here uh, that's new as of August 19th. I work for iPad Essential Training with Richard Harrington. There are lots of video tutorials, not just for programmers for iOS devices, but also for those users of iOS devices. Linda is an all-you-can-eat monthly service. Watch anytime and as often as you like from your computer or iOS device. There are searchable transcripts as well as closed caption transcripts, and you don't need to take my word for the breadth and quality of their tutorials and service. You can check them out right now for yourself for free for seven days by going to lynda.com slash TII. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring this episode. And folks, if you have a favorite tutorial from Linda, please send an email or call in to 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Good morning, Rob. It's Shannon from Fountain Hills. Hey, I just listened to uh, episode 317. Conrad called in concerned with the data on his phone even after he had done a restore. Yeah, that is very simple to get rid of. It's a, it's an app, the one I used. I think there are a couple different ones. The one I used, I believe, was called Phone Clean. One word, P-H-O-N-E-C-L-E-A-N. Uh, you can just Google Phone Clean. It's a little app or a little program you have to install on your computer for for Mac or Windows. And then you basically just make a backup of your phone through iTunes, through the cable. And then with this program or app, you go into that backup and you remove that data and then resave it and then plug your phone back in and restore your phone from that backup that you just made. It works perfectly. The first time I did it, I think I gained uh, a little over one gigabyte of, of space, which on my old 16 gigabyte 4S was uh, extremely valuable to me. So, yeah, let Conrad know that's the the quick and easy way to do it. There are also several uh, videos on YouTube that can walk you through it step by step. So it's uh, it's not that scary at all. So that's what he needs to do. Thanks for everything you do, Rob. Love the show. Can't wait for the next one. Take care, brother. Goodbye. Shannon, thanks for that feedback. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. I didn't find the official note from YouTube that asked for developers to move out 
the download video feature from their apps. Until now, TI listeners are complaining that these videos uh, download apps are fading out from the App Store or from the existing apps uh, updates. This is not a coincidence. I used to use the feature from via tubed app, and in the middle of the first semester 2014, they provided an app update with something like these words in the release notes. If you like the video download feature, please do not update this version of the app. According to the new YouTube policy, we are not allowed to download videos anymore. I think the decision they made to forbid it is that if you have the video to watch offline your device, then you will not receive the related advertising videos and you will not be obligated to watch the 5 or 30 second pre-roll ads at the beginning. Best regards, Andre Porto from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Into the email bag. Hi Rob. As per your listener who asked in episode 317 about an app that tracks your movement and allows you to navigate back to places where you've been to, I can suggest the Pin Drop app. It does exactly this and also allows you to record audio and video feeds at the said location and give you different options to navigate back using TomTom, Google Maps, or Apple Maps. He should try it out. Regards, Tosin O. Hi, Rob. This is Tom in Yucaipa, California. I got, uh, you had two subjects on your last show, and I have some, maybe not answers, but maybe can steer them in the right direction. I'm a blind uh, person using iPhone, so I've been using, I use voiceover. There's a company called Looktel, and they make a couple things, but one in particular is a money reader, so you wave your dollar bill or whatever it is in front of the camera, and it tells you what it is. That works great. They were talking about making some sort of a breadcrumb-type program. I looked, and they don't have it yet, so maybe it's still in development. But I did find something on the App Store called Breadcrumbs Plus. Don't know how good it is. It's $1.99, so I don't know. But it does say it does that type of thing, where you can drop breadcrumbs and route back to those spots. Don't know how good it is. The other thing, somebody is having problems with um, the uh, message app showing memory, but there's no message in there. I had that same problem. I ended up calling Apple, and they walked me through it, but honestly, I can't remember what the problem is, but if they call Apple, they'll probably walk them through it. But I know it had something to do with, I basically had to uh, back up my phone, restore it, and then it had something to do, and this is where I forget, but it had something that something to do with iCloud. And it was hanging on to some old messages that weren't actually showing up on the phone, but was registering as as uh, space being used. I don't know if that's any help, but that's the best I can do. Good luck. Love the show. Rob, this is Chris. For the guy that was wanting to know about a GPS app that could guide him back to his car or whatever, I'm also a hiker, and I currently use Guy GPS. That is G-A-I-A GPS. Uh, it's a little pricey, but for all of the features, I think it's well worth it. I highly recommend it. Great app. And love the show. Thanks to all for all that great feedback. And of course, I'll have links in the show notes for apps that were mentioned. Switching gears, we are now well over 1,200 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined and thanks for all the great posts and feedback to those posts. One new popular post in the Google Plus community this past week came from Myron Euchre. He asked, quote, I am curious as to which third-party lightning cables people have found that actually work and last. 
I would like to purchase some extra long 10-foot cables, but I'm always worried about the ones I see on Amazon. Unquote. This question had 15 comments or more by now. One of those comments was from Laura in Nashville, and she had her mentioning the Amazon-branded cables and saying that they are great, but that they do not fit in some cases, like the LifeProof Nude, and she ditched the case and kept the cable. There are also recommendations from Tim Galloway for the 9.8-foot lightning cables for $14.50 a piece from Pangea, purchased via Amazon, and that they had been working great for the last two and a half months. At the end of the thread, Myron mentions that he did purchase six-foot cables from IXCC on Amazon, and they appear to be decent quality and are working for him, and that they do fit into his life-proof case and work with his iPad Air, which he stated was the pickiest of his devices for third-party cables. And this past week, there were also dozens and dozens of other new posts in the TII Google Plus community, which is an Android Boys free zone and spammer free zone. Yep, it is the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayinios.com slash community to join in. And thanks to all 1,200 plus of you already in the community and contributing. Let's get into some rumors and speculation. Johnny Evans at Computer World has a post titled 10 Things We Know About Apple's New iPhone 6A8 Chip, which really should have been titled 10 Things We Think We Know, because, you know, that is what he actually says at the end of the first paragraph in his article. But I'm not blaming Johnny for that title. That looks to be the work of an aggressive editor trying for some link bait. And, well... Hook planted firmly in cheek as this said article hooked me in. Okay, that said, what are some of the things Johnny Evans thinks we know about the A8 beyond the name being the A8? One, faster. Well, no duh. Most expected to be 2 gigahertz chip with one rumor going as high as fast as 2.6 gigahertz. Two, 20 nanometer processing which means going from 28 nanometers to 20 nanometers on its own will speed up the chip. Also, this 20 nanometer processing will be from TSMC, which leads to this third item. Goodbye, Sammy. Hello, TSMC. As Jenny points out, if this is true, that means a good $1 billion plus of lost revenue for Sammy. Some rumors have Apple going back to Sammy for the A9. Oh, wait, that was from Digitimes. So, yep, Sammy's toast. Number four, much faster overall. When you combine the increased clock speed and the 20 nanometer processing, the 8 will toast all competitors for benchmark tests, which, by the way, the iPhone 5S is still beating all the competitors with the A7 from one year ago. So Apple will still further extend their lead on benchmark tests, which really just gets under the skin of the Android fanboys. Number five, the A8 will remain dual core. For the most part, the quad core processors on some of the Android devices are really nothing more than marketing fluff, as when it comes to real world and benchmark tests, they bring no advantage outside of being a bullet point on a marketing slide. Number six, motion sensor improvement for the M7 coprocessor. 
guess it would now be the M8, and that it will somehow be optimized to work with the HealthKit app and other third-party devices, and will have improved motion sensors. Number seven, memory, going to two gigabytes at least for the top of the new iPad Air second generation, and will likely also be available for the iPhone 6 with the 5.5-inch display, but maybe not for the 4.7 iPhone 6 and the iPad mini Retina 2. Eight, a specialized optimized for Beats mode, where if you have Beats headphones, you get better audio quality. Hey, maybe now they will almost sound as good as my Bose QuietComfort 2 headphones. Oh, did I say that out loud? Sorry, Apple. Nine, improve graphics power. Again, for the iPad 2 and the iPhone 6 5.5-inch devices, but no real mention of what said improved graphics power could be. And 10, 64-bit. Quote, iOS 8 and OS 10's continuity, we should begin to see apps that truly realize their potential of desktop class performance on a mobile device, unquote. Or translated, I told my editors I would get them a list of 10 things we think we know, and I ran out on number nine, so I just threw in that last one so I can finish the article and send it to my editors and go to sleep. Thanks, Jim M., for the heads up on this one, which I think I warned a few episodes back was on its way, and that is the rumor where some component shortage or issue was causing a major issue in the iPhone 6 launch, and yep, that is what we are getting from this new link bait aficionado called Reuters. Seems Reuters recently hired some editors and writers from The Verge and BGR. Anyway... The latest component supply chain issues comes from an issue with the backlights for the iPhone screen, and said issue is so specific it almost has to be false. But in a nutshell, what the rumor is is that the original backlight did not work and needed to be redesigned, shutting down production of the backlights in July and part of June, or part of or June and part of July. So said unnamed sources in the know and familiar with the situation. Long and short, this smells like, looks like, and walks like link bait, and is exactly the type of story with story in quotes you would expect a couple of weeks before the launch of the iPhone. How far the once mighty Reuters has fallen is really, really sad. Link bait, guys? Really? Link bait? Hi, Rob. Let's talk about the iPhone's camera. It's been an amazing ride from when I first owned the original iPhone to now with the 5S's amazing camera. That said, it still leaves something to be desired. I'm an avid hiker and lately I've stopped lugging around my SLR to shed weight and I've opted to go light with my iPhone only. Last week I was hiking and spotted a rarely seen eagle perched atop a tree. I snapped a shot of it, but with my refusal to use digital zoom, it just did not turn out. I want optical zoom for the iPhone badly. Before listeners freak out, I am not advocating for a telescopic lens that will protrude out of the iPhone. I've seen point-and-shoots that manage to keep all of the internals so the lens does not extend outside of the housing. But with Apple's obsession of making each device thinner than the previous model, is this a crazy dream of mine? Or could this actually be a possibility? Each time I watch the keynote, I hope for it 
and each time I'm slightly disappointed. Could this be a miracle year? Regards, Brad S. Hi, Brad. There are some quote leaked unquote images from a computer screenshot coming out of Foxconn in China that allegedly show the iPhone 6 and one of the features with features in quotes of the iPhone 6 is a protruding camera. In the past, the camera lens has been flush with the back of the iPhone, but with the iPhone 6, according to the rumors, in order to get the rest of the unit to the thickness Apple wanted, they threw convention and aesthetics to the wind and put in the camera that is thicker than the rest of the iPhone 6, i.e. a feature of the iPhone 6S is camera that is flush with the back of the unit. Anyway, the point of all this, Apple felt something was special enough about the camera module that they chose that they were willing to produce a device with the camera that protrudes, i.e. sticks out of the back of the iPhone. And that is not something they have ever done before, or in the least bit looks Apple-ish. I mean, it's possible that the rumor is bogus, but there were other rumors in the past about the camera sticking out or protruding out as well. So it will be interesting to see what is announced and if the camera does stick out, what's so special about the camera that caused Apple to make it something that looks kludgy for lack of a better term. This camera really better rock. The latest from Recode and John Pazowski is that the September 9th event will not just be the unveiling of the two iPhone 6s, the 4.7 and 5.5, but also the introduction of the iWatch. So no longer will the iWatch be in an October surprise event, but rather a September announcement. Speculation is that it will be heavily integrated with the HealthKit app and even with the HomeKit app. Yes, turn off the lights in your house from your iWatch. I guess much, much, much more on this shortly. Next episode, we will go over the September 9th bingo card, and the iWatch will now be on it. Okay, it was going to be on it anyway. Was not sure if this next one belonged in the pro iOS category or the bash Android category, but after debating it back and forth with myself, I agreed with myself that this is actually something that fits in both categories. Thanks to all that sent this one in. And it is an article at Apple Insider that is titled, While 91% of Apple users run iOS 7, five different versions of Android hold 10% plus share. Okay, to the devs, that is scary enough. That means you may have to support five different versions of Android and in some cases, very, very different versions, as it covers 4.4 KitKat, 4.2 Jellybean, 4.1 Jellybean, 4.0.x Ice Cream Sandwich, and 2.3.x Gingerbread. That would be like saying iOS 7, 6, 5, 4, and iOS 2 all had greater than 10% shares each. Yikes. But this article talked about something else reported by the company OpenSignal. They track the different Android devices and versions with different mods and custom skins for Android. Their first report in 2012, they tracked 4,000 different devices. Now, obviously, some of these different devices are really the same core hardware, say the Galaxy S3, but then there is the SAMI version of Android, 
and then there are the mods at the carriers. So you quickly start getting up there in numbers, which is why in the most recent count, they are now tracking nearly 19,000 different distinct Android devices this year. Yikes, now that is some major fragmentation. Maybe when Android gets to S for the naming convention, they could call it Android Snowflake in honor of no two devices look the same. Yeah, device support for devs is a major issue on the Android side. Oh, by the way, those 19,000 unique versions came from a sample size of 682,000 devices running its app. On average, that means just 36 devices per version. Yeah, I gotta get me some of that economy of scale going on. Thanks to Steve in Arizona for this next one, which is our true Bash Android article for this episode, unlike the last one, which was only a partial bash on Android. This one is from the New York Times, and it is titled... Android phone hit by ransomware. Now, before any of you point out that Apple devices down under earlier this year were also taken hostage, this is a very, very, very different situation. In the iPhone issue earlier this year, it was a password that was used to get in. It was a phishing attack where people responded to an email and then gave out their iCloud username and password. And the bad guys then used that with Find My iPhone to lock down the iPhones. That was not an issue with the iPhone. And for anyone with two-step verification in place, it was a non-issue completely. But again, it was an issue with people giving up their passwords and usernames. And no system is safe from user errors like that. No, in this case, though, with Android, it is a drive-by vulnerability. All you need to do is visit a rogue webpage, usually one that has pictures of women with no clothes on, and bam, you get the ransomware installed. Apparently, then a message pops up claiming to be from the FBI saying you have been locked out of your phone, you are a criminal, and visiting child porn sites and sending out spam or child abuse and some other crime. And you get only way to get your device unlocked is that you need to send them money. According to the article, these messages have popped up on hundreds of thousands of Android devices. Hey, wait, we just found something with Android phones that they do other than make calls and text. They visit porn sites. Again, this is a drive-by download attack, which just means a victim only needs to visit a website with hot naked co-ed cheerleaders or something like that. And then the ransomware is installed. Oh, and by the way, when I said victim, I did not necessarily mean someone that got the ransomware. I just meant someone that was suckered into getting an Android phone to start with. Insert rim shot here. Look for the link in the show notes titled Android Phones Hit by Ransomware from the New York Times. Hi, Rob. This is Anna from Pittsburgh, Kansas. I'm calling with my two cents regarding podcasting apps. I love Downcast. It's a really well-done app. And, oh, and one of the things that I like about it is its ability to play audio files that are not podcasts and keep your place and speed them up and all those same kinds of things. It's a really nice app. But I have switched recently to Overcast for most of my podcasts because it is so good at speeding up podcasts and keeping them clear. I can listen more quickly than I could with Downcast. So they're both really great apps. I also... And totally blind. I really appreciate the fact that both of the developers have done very well in making their apps accessible. 
So um, those are the ones I use regularly. Thanks. Bye. Anna from one Kansan to another. Thanks for your feedback. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Per podcasts, I mainly use the Apple Podcast app and the TI app. Yes, I listen to the show on both. I find the choices baffling and confusing. The Apple Podcast app does something that really annoys me. I finish listening to a podcast, close out of the podcast and app, go back in later, and the now playing is still up. I'd like to thank the caller Jeff for his answer to my query and for you reading that in episode 316. Regards, Jenny. Hi, Rob. Wikipanion is the first app I noticed to already claim iOS 8 compatibility and its update features. Regards, Michael. Well, Michael, thanks for the heads up. I had 108 apps to update on my iPhone, and I went and looked at the descriptions for all 108 of those apps, and not one of them mentioned iOS 8 compatibility and the updates. So either Apple is manually blocking that from most apps, or no one has gotten around to saying that just yet. But do expect a plethora of app updates next month. That will at least for me make that 108 updates badge look small. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. With regards to the caller asking about those irritating alerts, re-cellular data being turned off for an app, with regards to downcast at least, I have the solution. Turn cellular data back on in a setting cellular, and then turn cellular data off from inside the app itself. That way, no warnings, and you can, if you choose, choose to override the cellular setting temporarily. Regards, Kevin Barry. Hi, Rob. I really enjoy the show. Um, I'm calling in regard to the person who was trying to get most of their downloads done on Wi-Fi rather than cellular and was sick of the alerts about using cellular data. Uh, Most apps that allow you to download large amounts of data, like podcasting apps or Audible or those kinds of things, have in their settings the ability to turn off cellular downloads. And if you do it there instead of in the settings cellular section, then you will get the same result without the warning. Thanks. Hope that's helpful. Bye. Thanks to all for your feedback there. Here is another Kickstarter project, and this one is different than all the other Kickstarter projects I have ever mentioned on the show in one very, very important way. I'm already holding the device in my hand. So yes, the SOS charger I funded over 18 months ago, not here yet, but maybe soon. Soundband funded well over a year ago, almost a year and a half ago, not only not here, but no timeline for it getting here, at least Nothing until 2015, if even then. But PopScope, this one I'm holding right here, right now. You can hear me banging on it. So what is PopScope? It is a tripod stand for your iPhone that also has a telescoping arm, which means you can also use it to take selfies for more than just an arm's length. Remember, iOS 8 has a timer now for photos. So set it for 3 seconds or 10 hit the photo button, and it blasts a burst mode photo for you in 3 or 10 seconds. Much easier and less awkward than the arm's length selfies that I did at Podcast Movement uh, back in the middle of August. I can tell you this is something I will be taking with me to all our Lipson events going forward. Just makes selfies look so much better. And you can choose to use the tripod with it open on a table or, or just extend the telescope 
neck and do the selfie. You have blue, green, gold, silver, and red to choose from. I have the blue one. That matches very well with my STM laptop bag, so thanks, guys. Right now, pricing on this is $35 for the choice of blue or red. This project you have until Monday, September 22nd at 5.59 a.m. Central Time to fund. I like it for FaceTime calls, too, that I have to do. And most importantly, I like it because it folds up so nice and neat and fits in my laptop bag or even my pocket. I like nice and neat, as I have so much in my bag that is not nice and neat. Anyway, search for PopScope, one word, at kickstarter.com. And oh, did I mention I already have it? Yes, it's right here, right here. So this is not something that may happen. They have already figured it out. Although he did say what I have is a prototype, but again, it's a functional prototype. I will talk more about this on a future episode as I'm now just starting to play with it when my son lets me have it back. That is because he's running around taking selfie videos with it. And I just received this email from the lead on the project right before getting into a recording. Hi, Rob. I wanted to update you on some price changes I made for PopScope. In addition to the $35, $36, and $37, and $38, I added where you can buy two-package deal for $63, making each PopScope $31.50. If you can mention that, it would be appreciated. Regards, Vincent. Again, folks, pop scope, look it up in Kickstarter or in the show notes for episode 318 over today in iOS.com. Hi, Rob. Are you puzzled by Google Navigation showing directions upside down? Don't worry, it is very easy to fix. Just tap on the compass icon available on the left side top of the screen. Tapping on the compass icon toggles navigation display orientation correctly. Not quite sure when the upside down mode is helpful. Unknowingly, I changed the orientation, and I was going crazy till I found a way to fix it. Regards, Paul H. Paul, I wonder if you put your iPhone on your dashboard at nighttime and hit the arrow if the reflection up on your windshield, if that's one reason to do that. You might want to try that out one night. Put it up there on your dashboard and see how the reflection up on your windshield projects when you have it upside down. That might be one reason for doing that. Sticking with Paul H., I want to thank him for this next one, which is about the iOS app CamFind, one word, C-A-M-F-I-N-D, which is a, quote, search by photo, unquote, app. This is the type of app where you take a picture of something, like, say, a bottle of ketchup, and it tells you what it is and where to buy it. Okay, not the best example of its use, but you get the picture. No pun intended. This article talks about how the app CamFind works better than Google's Goggles, which does the same basic thing. The article was so overtly over the top for the app CamFind, I thought it was an infomercial for it, which it might be, but if so, they definitely broke some FTC rules about full disclosure because there was none. So assuming it is not an ad, this app is greatly loved by Azasas Obazaya at wonderhowto.com. And well, the app is free, in the App Store. So if you are looking for an app that you can take a picture of an item and it gets you the info, including pricing info, and also is a QR scanner and a barcode reader, then go to and check out the app CamFind in the App Store. Just search for CamFind, one word, C-A-M-F-I-N-D, 
I have downloaded it, but have not yet opened it or launched it to test it out. But if anyone else has any feelings on CamFind, if they've tried it out, if they like it or not, you can let us know. 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. And it doesn't have to be about CamFind. It can be about any of your favorite go-to apps, or some apps that may not be your favorite, some that you've tested out and found are really annoying. Let us know about those as well. Good day, Rob. Hey, it's Shannon in Fountain Hills again. As I listened to the remainder of your podcast this morning, I heard a gentleman named Mike, I believe he was from Texas, called in a truck driver who said he was surprised to see Eyecatcher so far down on the list. And I was too, a little bit, to be honest, because it is by far my favorite. And I've tried several others, and I just always find myself just missing Eyecatcher. I keep trying the, the native app, thinking I'll love it because of the Siri integration, but it's actually not that big of a deal to me. So I find iCatcher is by far the best. However, Mike mentioned something this morning that I didn't know existed on iCatcher, and I, that's what I wanted to mention. The the fact that we can offset the beginning and make it skip the first, uh, I think I believe it goes in five-second increments. Uh, so you can skip 5, 10, 15, 20, all the way up to a couple minutes, I believe, and then you can do the same on the rear of the podcast. It is amazing to me because I listen to several podcasts that are from radio stations, and a couple of them actually instead of doing one continuous podcast through their entire show, they do four or five per morning for each little bit that they do. Each bit has to begin with this about an eight-second explosion, goofy sound, and then it also ends with the same four or five-second explosion talking sound, and I just find that annoying. So now, thanks to Mike, I can go in and have it start 10 seconds into it and end five seconds before before the actual end and I miss all of that so uh, that just makes me love eyecatcher even more anyway I just wanted to say thanks to Mike and as always thanks to you Rob appreciate everything you do love the show always look forward to the next one take care bye Shannon thanks for that feedback into the email bag we go hi Rob does anyone even barely care or talk about the iPad Air and Mini 2 upgrades other than touch ID and usual processing camera bumps what is left to do regards Michael Hi, Michael. I know it's really difficult to see what Apple can add to the iPad to really make it more attractive. Touch ID is a no-brainer. So is a faster processor and more RAM, and as you mentioned, the better camera. Not to mention better graphics and possibly a larger screen size. But I mean, outside of Touch ID, the processor at greater than 2 gigahertz, 2 gigabytes of RAM, improved graphics, a larger screen, and a better camera, what else can Apple do to make it more attractive and get us to upgrade? And what have they ever given us in return? The aqueduct? What? The aqueduct? Oh, yeah, yeah, they did give us that. That's true, yeah. And the sanitation. Oh, yeah, the sanitation, Reg. Remember what the city used to be like? Yeah, all right, I'll grant you, the aqueduct and the sanitation are two things the Romans have done. And the roads? Well, yeah, obviously the roads. I mean, the roads go without sand, don't they? But apart from the sanitation, the aqueduct, and the roads... Irrigation. Medicine. Huh? Education. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all right, fair enough. And the wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's something yeah. we'd really miss, Reg, if the Romans left. <laughs> Public baths. And it's safe to walk in the streets at night now, Reg. Yeah, they certainly know how to keep order. Let's face it, the only ones who could in a place like this. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but apart from the sanitation, the medicine... Education, wine, public order, irrigation, roads, a fresh water system and public health. 
What have the Romans ever done for us? Hi, Rob. With the default mail app used on the iPhone iPad, is there a quick method of setting or to delete empty bulk emails from the trash and sent folders rather than individual selection, which can be very tedious, especially when you have several hundred emails? Alternatively, is there an app that will do the same? Cheers, Alex from Waikiki, Western Australia. Well, Alex, in iOS 8, one of your requests is fulfilled. In iOS 8, if you go to the trash can and then tap edit in the upper right, in the lower right, one option is delete all. However, that option is not there for the sent folder or any other folder I could find. You could mark uh, select all to mark as red or select all to flag, but not select all to delete. That would be a nice feature for Apple to add. If anyone has any recommendations on a good third-party email app, please let us know, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG, or send the email to today and iOS at gmail.com. At Rob, can't recall if this has been mentioned on a previous show, but about a month ago, Apple introduced iTunes Pass, which is a great feature that provides the ability to go to an Apple store and top up your Apple ID account balance. To enable iTunes Pass, go to the iTunes App Store and scroll to the bottom of the Music, Movies, or TV Show page. Click on your Apple ID and then tap View Account and Sign In if necessary. Scroll down to the iTunes Pass section and tap Add iTunes Pass to Passbook. Your new iTunes Pass will appear loaded with whatever credit you currently have. Tap Add to save it to Passbook. Go to the Apple Store and open iTunes Pass in Passbook. Get the employee to scan the QR code and then pay them the amount you wish to add to your Apple ID account. An advantage of this feature is unlike with gift cards, you are not limited to how much you can top up uh, your account by. You can also share your pass via airdrop messages and email, and the recipient can top up uh, your credit by going to an Apple store themselves. Regards, Steve in Brisbane, Australia. Well, Steve, thanks for the heads up on that. Yeah, I don't think we've mentioned it on the show before. Hey, Rob Gunner from Chicago. I thought I'd do a little app review for you. Um, it's, uh, it's an app that's been out for a while. It's called the Disney Movies Anywhere app. Um, I've got a four-year-old uh, with a subscription to the Disney Movie Club, so we're constantly getting Disney movies in it. A cool thing about this app is if you collect the Disney movie rewards, um, you can actually just enter the password on there, and uh, it'll take care of all your points. So enter your code. All your points are tracked. You can redeem your points through the app, which just brings up Safari and lets you do it that way. But still, um, it, it makes this Disney Movie Rewards thing so much simpler. You can also uh, watch movies on the app. Um, you can stream or uh, download to the app. It works exactly like the uh, Movies app. But a cool thing that I noticed, um, now back in November, October, around there, uh, you reported on the show, and I noticed it at the same time, that there was a little stretch where Disney wasn't putting iTunes as part of the, the digital copy. I know Mickey's Christmas Carol, Robin Hood, and Sword of the Stone, three of them that didn't give you the uh, iTunes copy. So put in the code, it just told you how to download the, the Ultraviolet. And I know you reported that on the show. Anyway, uh, when I downloaded the Movies Anywhere app, uh, one of the options that you could do was actually sync the app with your iTunes account or other account that you have. And so I did that. 
And when I went into my into the movies anywhere else, it listed all my movies, all my Disney movies, all my Marvel movies, and everything was on there. And I noticed in that list of movies were Sword in the Stone, Robin Hood, and Mickey's Christmas Carol. And I'm like, huh, that's strange, because you know, I didn't give it a digital copy. Another thing, uh, my kid got the Lion King box set, which came with the digital copy of the original Lion King. Well, in this app, it had all three Lion King digital copies. And I thought, oh, that's kind of weird because I didn't have those before. Next time I logged in my Apple TV, when I reached through my purchased movies, I saw two additional Lion King movies, Robin Hood, Sword in the Stone, and Mickey's Christmas Carol. So downloading a free app gave me five additional movies that I didn't have on my Apple TV. And now they were, and I can stream them on any device I own. Like I said, it's a free app. Also pretty cool if you just enter your movie rewards on the app, um, it'll pop up and tell you you have a digital copy. You don't even have, you just click OK and you don't even have to download it. As soon as you log on your Apple TV, all those movies are there. So works with the Disney and the Marvel. I imagine once the Star Wars movies start coming out, the Star Wars movies will be on there. But uh, like I said, it's a free app and I got five free DVDs out or five free digital copies out of it that I didn't have before. Also, if you sync your account, they give you, I think they give you the Incredibles as like a gift. Fortunately, I already had that. So, but if you don't have the Incredibles and you download this free app, sync it with your iTunes account, you will get, uh, you can get another movie for free. So, uh, just a little review of a cool app. Thanks, Rob, for all you do and everyone out there for helping us solve any of our problems. Uh, have a great day, guys. Bye. Gunner, thanks for the heads up on the Disney Movie Anywhere app. I think I'm going to have to get that one for the boys. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. I'm an indie game developer from Belgium. The last six months, I've been working hard on an app called Tap to Play, for which I partnered with the L.A.-based game company Trigger Happy. Tap to Play is a growing collection of original games, which can be played in a single-player mode or against friends or random players. There are currently 11 games in the app, I included a link to a trailer in the show notes, folks. And you can get the app here for free. Link in the show notes as well. As a special gift to your listeners, here's a coupon for 500 free coins. And the coupon code is TII underscore L-I-B-S-Y-N. That's all capitals. So TII underscore L-I-B-S-Y-N. And you go to tap to play.mobi slash coupon. Tap to play moby slash coupon link in the show notes coins can be used to unlock games and other features coins are earned through gameplay but also can be bought i have also attached some screenshots best regards sven sven thanks for the review and heads up on your game and thanks for the promo codes or coupon codes for the listeners thanks to paul h for this next one which i believe goes in the darwin award files or in the I'm going to try to sue Apple for my own stupidity file. Or both. Seems a Miss Dion Baxter was sleeping in the nude while sleeping she rolled onto her iPhone 4 which was charging and laying in her bed with her. Seems the iPhone 4 was so hot during the charging cycle that it burned her on her breast. She says she woke up to immense pain and was rushed to the hospital where a lawyer met up with her and told her to say the following, quote, I worry about the possibility of ever being able to breastfeed another child, unquote. Okay, look, charging up your iOS device while it's 
doing something in the background can get the device hot. Even just charging it up from a full discharge can get it hot. Charging it up while laying on it means there are only two places for the heat to go, and in this case, that meant Mrs. Baxter's bed and Mrs. Baxter's breasts. She is lucky her bed did not catch on fire, and the damage was not worse than it was. Photos at the link to this article in the show notes. I'm going to take the easy joke on this one. Don't be a boob. Stop charging your iOS device in bed, and definitely don't lay on an iOS device when it's charging up. Or any lithium-ion powered device for that matter. And her lawsuit against Apple will be filed in 3, 2... Hey there, this is Rob from Annapolis, and I just wanted to share an experience uh, to see if your listeners are having the same problem. I have a iPhone 5 uh, with the latest software, with the latest iOS, and I have a Lexus CT200, and uh, the Bluetooth has been working fine for the last year, two years, and just recently, I want to say it was probably since the last update of iOS, that my Bluetooth, when I connect the Bluetooth to the car, which it does automatically... Uh, and I'm playing music or or your podcast or anything, about 90% of the time, it'll start out working fine, and then the radio will turn off, and then the Bluetooth will have erased all of the presets in the radio, and it'll just turn itself off. If I connect it with the USB, it works fine, and then other times it seems to work for a while, and then again, it kind of fries the, the preset settings and turns the radio off. Just wondering if anybody else has this similar problem or if there's any fixes. I've turned the phone on and off. I've turned uh, uh, reset network settings, and none of that seems to help. Hopefully, it's just a bug that'll be fixed with iOS 8. Thanks, and I hope to hear back. Bye. If anyone has any suggestions or recommendations for Rob, give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hey, Rob, I keep reading everywhere that Apple is holding an event on September 9th, but I can't find anywhere that states that Apple actually confirmed this. Just tons of sites saying it is confirmed, regards Richard M. Well, Richard, Apple has not quite officially announced that the September 9th event is happening, but they did leak the event to Recode, which is Apple's PR's preferred site for leaking info to. My guess, and it's only a guess, is that Apple leaked the event early, to enable reporters to schedule their trips uh, ahead of time so that Apple could get the max amount of press coverage possible. And that, to me, means they think they have a lot that needs covering. We shall see. Back to the email bag, and this is a longer one. Hi, Rob. I wanted to offer a retort or at least an alternative perspective on Ron's assessment in episode 317 of the AT&T Next Installment Plans. Well, I agree that in his assessment, he will see little to no savings once he updates all the phones in his family. I also think that the plans are a good deal, not a fantastic deal, but certainly better than what I have been paying for, my AT&T 6 gig a month plan, which I still have. It all depends on how you use them or your participation, particular situation. For what it's worth, in my investigations, I found the AT&T website quite clear and informative on the plan details, for example. Uh, AT&T next installment agreement charges are separate from your monthly rate plan and service charges. The installment charge will be added to your monthly bill and will appear in the equipment charges section under other charges and credits on your monthly bill. 
Like most providers these days, AT&T are now offering encouraging plans where they do not discount subsidize the device. Instead, they are offering monthly installment plans at 0% interest. The deal is that you are purchasing the phone at retail cost. You need to pay the sales tax in full upfront for the new device, but the device costs itself spread out over monthly installments at 0% interest. At this time, there are two installment plans available. Plan one is a twelve twenty. The device will be paid out or paid off over twenty monthly installments. But you have the option to trade in and or and or walk away. Start a new plan with the latest and greatest device after twelve months. Plan two is eighteen twenty four. Same idea as the twenty four installments and the option to trade in after eighteen months. In both cases, both cases you can terminate early. There are no early term fees, but you need to pay down the balance to the 12th or 18th month installment and return of the uh, installment and return the device or pay it off in full. You also cannot make extra payments to pay down the balance early with the exception of a single payment to pay off. In my family, I am the alpha tech. I get new shiny toys and when I upgrade my old stuff makes its way down the line to my wife and kids. My situation is one where I am comfortable remaining in every other updater, two years in traditional Apple recycles, but one where I keep the old device to be handed down. also don't want to have the huge hit of paying for unsubsidized cost of the phone up front when updating. So the installment plan is great. The 1220 sounds like the plan for me, one where I pay, plan to pay for the device over 20 months and then keep it. Paying the device off in less than 24 months allows me to be ready for the next upgrade for early adoption. Being a family of three, I see the plans as a cost saver. I will generally only have one device on the plan and the other two being fully owned. Since the next planned total cost over two over two year period is basically the same as a traditional contract, the savings come from the two other devices. Having a $15 a month charge for the data versus $35 a month, of course, the base plan is a little higher, $100 a month instead of $90. Resulting savings is $2, two times $20 a month times 24 months minus 10 months, uh, well, anyway, $720 or $30 a month savings. Regards, Mike P. in Attleboro, Mass. Hi, Mike. Thanks for that feedback. But here is another issue with AT&T from another listener that I found quite disturbing. Hello, Rob. While on vacation last week, I received an email from AT&T saying I needed to stop tethering by the end of the month or I would be forced to change my unlimited data plan. I am not currently tethering anything, so I figured I'm okay and ignored it. The next day, I received a text message from AT&T saying I needed to call this number and change my data plan immediately because I am tethering. I called the number and the person I spoke to was extremely clueless. She obviously went through her flowchart on tethering. I was told that they did a scan and found apps installed on my phone that were tethering apps, and unless I deleted them, I would be automatically switched to a non-unlimited data plan. I asked her which apps are flagged as tethering, and she told me to Google each of my installed apps to see if it is a tethering app or has hidden tethering functionality. I told her I have too many apps and I don't have the time to Google each one. But I would gladly provide her a list of my apps, but she already has that info from their scan, 
So why don't you just tell me which app is the offending app or apps so I can fix it? I also pointed out that if I was tethering, why would I pay for the data plan on both my iPads? If I was tethering to my unlimited phone and got a fluff answer from her. She then went on to say that the best way to remove the apps is to restore my phone to the most current iOS and it would automatically remove any offending apps because I am not running the latest version of iOS. Long story short, I was transferred two times to finally get to the tethering tech support department. This person told me that the scan was performed a month or two ago and that I needed to make sure I don't have MyY, PDA.net, TetherMe, or any of a number of apps that have hidden tethering functionality on my phone or they will change my plan. I asked how they have the right to tell me which apps I may have on my phone and I was referred to section 6.2 of the AT&T agreement. I have read through 6.2 and nowhere does it say they have the right to scan my phone or blackmail me to remove an app or lose my data plan. In any case, I removed my Y from my iPhone, which incidentally is on both my iPads, but since they aren't unlimited plans, they don't care and we'll wait to see what happens. The scary part is I did a search for apps that have hidden tethering functionality, and there have been several over the years. If I have an app that I want to use to draw and unknowingly it has hidden tether function, AT&T thinks they have the right to automatically downgrade my unlimited plan. Fortunately for me, my wife knows some folks over in the EFF, and we are currently contacting them to with the details of the situation and hopefully AT&T will get the FCC on their back like Verizon did for saying you couldn't have tethering apps on your device. Thanks for reading this and sharing the details with whomever needs to know. Really appreciate the show and enjoy listening. Regards, Steam. I mean, Johnny Appleseed from Virginia. Yikes, yikes, and yikes. What gives AT&T the right to think they can scan your phone? That doesn't sound right, and that sounds completely bogus. Would love to hear how this one works out for you, Stephen. I mean, Johnny Appleseed. If anyone else got one of these extortion emails from AT&T, let us know. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. My name is Randy. I'm from Dubuque, Iowa. I'm looking at uh, Freedom Pop that you did on your show a few months back. And what I'm looking at is when you get an iPhone on there, it installs a Freedom Pop app and then disables the normal dialer for the iPhone. Is this using voice over IP with the cellular data, you know, or with the 4G data? Or does this actually use cellular data and it's just repointing? Just wondering what any of the other listeners have on Freedom Pop, any success stories or issues, just looking for a cheap phone for my daughter. And if it works great for her, maybe for the rest of us. I know they just came out with a $20 a month unlimited data, text, and calling. Thanks, Rob. Bye. Hi, Randy. I've never actually used the Freedom Pop app on my iPhone. I do have the Freedom Pop hotspot, and I used that actually earlier today when my kids were at swimming lessons. I do believe from the conversations I had with the folks from Freedom Pub that their app works over VoIP. So you have to have a VoIP connection. Now it works when you have Wi-Fi connection or when you have a VoIP connection via LTE. 
not 100% sure on that. If anyone has used the Freedom Pop app and understands how it works, please give us a call 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Let us know your thoughts on the Freedom Pop app. Thanks again to lynda.com for their support of TII. If you go to lynda.com slash TII, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII, you'll get a free seven-day trial. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring the show and for the free offer. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayandios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else, an app or product review, good or bad, as long as it is iOS related, it is welcomed. I am always looking for new artwork to feature that you have created on iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we're always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. It's your show and your feedback is greatly desired. And don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time. I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I.
Oops, I lied. There was one more thing I forgot to ask. Send in your thoughts on the one more thing or the surprise feature or announcement that's going to happen on September 9th. What is the one thing that's going to happen or be announced on September 9th that most people aren't talking about or maybe you haven't heard anybody talking about or maybe only a couple people talking about? What is the one thing you think that is going to be the biggest surprise announcement come September 9th from Apple? And folks in the U.S., have safe travels this Labor Day weekend. I know I'll be heading up to Des Moines, Iowa, Friday evening, where my son on Saturday morning is going to compete in a triathlon event that's a championship event. So congratulations to Henry for qualifying to that. Until the next time, talk to you guys later.